Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to Generations Church Podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hello, everybody. My name is Scotty Hines. I am a pastor here at Generations Church, and alongside of me is my co-labor of the gospel, Pastor Jeff Ludington, a.k.a. J. Ludd. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Got to give a little you? street cred, man. That's it. Just oh, I appreciate that. You're welcome. All right. Well, good, man. We are here, Lord's Day 11. And so if you are just joining us, if you're new, uh, we're on week 11, or Lord's Day 11, as it was called when it was written, uh, of the Heidelberg Catechism, a, a training or a way of teaching children or disciples the way of our faith by asking questions and having memorized answers. And so this is a 450-year-old catechism. This has been used early since the Protestant Reformation and is still used in churches all over the globe today. And so we're into the second section. The, the title of this podcast is Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, and that is the breakdown of the Heidelberg Catechism. It opens with a section on guilt, our sin, uh, our need for a Savior, and then it moves into grace, and so it moves into how we are saved and, and by, through whom we are saved, which is what we'll be talking about today. Yes. And so the question and answers, there's two today. Uh, the question and answers are really written like a father would train a son or like a discipler would train a disciple. And so that's how we're doing this. I'm asking the question, Pastor Scott, he is answering the question. And so we're going to do that. We'll go back and forth and we'll talk about the topic that we cover today. So Scott, question 29, why is the Son of God called Jesus, meaning Savior? Because he saves us from our sins, and because salvation is not to be sought or found in any other. Question 30, do those who look for their salvation and security in saints, in themselves, or elsewhere, really believe in the only Savior, Jesus? No. Although they boast of being his, by their deeds they deny the only Savior and Redeemer, Jesus. Either Jesus is not a perfect Savior, or those who in true faith accept this Savior have in Him all they need for their salvation. So we have this, this catechism, and this, this way of training people in the faith, whereby the discipler or the, the father will ask the child or the disciple or whatever, right? If any, if this can happen in any age, will ask these predetermined questions you memorize these answers, and I often use this example. Scott, you've heard this. Uh, Joe, I know nobody knows you're here, but you're recording. You've heard this. <laughs> we talk about multiplication tables. When I was a kid, I learned my multiplication tables by learning what is 1 times 1, 1 is 1 times 2, 1 times 3. I memorized the answers. So the answer is true. Yes. You memorize it. You don't have to do math every time. When someone says, hey, what is 9 times 9? Your answer is 81 because you've memorized it. Yes. This is a catechism, right? Yes. It's memorizing the truth of our faith. And what's one thing too, like I, I just want to make sure it's, it's pointed out again, and you mentioned it in your math analogy, is when we memorize two times two, you know, it's always four. That's truth. That's fact. Right. And when we're memorizing these questions, or excuse me, when we're memorizing these answers, we're memorizing truth. Good. And yeah, that's, that's just good. important. Uh, you pointed that out uh, last week. And I just wanted to make sure we keep that because it's good. we're not memorizing a church's a liturgy. We're memorizing biblical truth. That's good. You know, and in that, it always needs to be said 
that our authority is the Bible. Yeah. Anything below that, whether it be a creed, a confession, a catechism like this, mm -hmm. a Sunday morning sermon, a podcast, doesn't matter. All those are only as true as the, as the Bible proves them to be true. Exactly. Right? These are the words of men. I, I mean, godly men. These have stood the test of time. Again, it's 450 years old, but it's still not Scripture. So this is only as true as the Bible proves it to be true. Absolutely. Right? So today is, why is the only Son of God called Jesus, meaning Savior? Well, because He saves us from our sins and because salvation, another word for Savior or saving, is not to be sought or found in any other. So that's the first part. But I love the second question. Do those who look in their salvation and security in saints, in themselves or elsewhere, really believe in the only Savior, Jesus? Before that answer, I just want to pause and say, okay, this is 450 years old. And when the Protestant Reformation was taking place, it was Christians who were Roman Catholic, who were looking at Roman Catholicism and saying, man, there are some big, deep, systemic problems in Roman Catholicism. Mm -hmm. It was so bad 500 years ago when the Reformation really uh, you know, got into full swing that even Roman Catholics today look back at that era in the Roman Catholic Church and say, yeah, it was a mess. Like, we yeah. had some problems. We had to course correct. Well, at the time, they didn't want to course correct. You know, and that's really what they wanted. Luther wanted to reform the church, right? That means course correct. And then they were protesting the problems. That's where Protestant comes from. And so you fast forward 500 years, here we are today, and we're looking at this. And, and when this was written, it really has its roots in what was wrong in the Roman Catholic Church, right? Yeah. A biblical metaphor for this, or a biblical analogy, something we can look to in the Bible, is how Christianity throughout the book of Acts and in the letters, the epistles from Paul and Peter and John and others, when the churches were being started in the first century, there were people called Judaizers going around and saying, in order to be a Christian, in order to be a good Christian, you first have to be a good Jew. Yeah. So they're trying to superimpose all the laws of Judaism on Christianity, right? Well, Acts 15, the churches, the leaders all get together and they decide, no, that's not what we need. You just need to follow Jesus. But just like the book of Romans has this emphasis on what the Judaizers are teaching and how it's false, the Heidelberg Catechism has that same emphasis on Roman Catholicism and how that part or how what they had or where they were then specifically how that's false so it's all context right so we have to ask today like what's the context by which we have to see this yeah that's a great that's a great uh, question because contextually like okay so I need to really ask a question but I got a question now and it's along the lines of what would you think like okay among, amongst the church where do you see our saints, uh, Christians, where do you see them kind of in the same struggle? Meaning they're, they judge their relationship on external things and mm. not biblical things. You get what I'm saying? I like do. Like maybe works. Like yeah. what I got a lot from doing youth ministry is I got this a lot. Kids would judge how good they are, like how much God loves them by how much porn they didn't watch. Right, right, you right. right. Like, oh, I've been doing good, Pastor Scott. It's been five days and it's just like, oh, now I'm on fire for Christ. No, it doesn't work that way, but I understand right. where you're coming from. So why is the Son of God called Jesus, meaning Savior, right? So this grace section is opening up with why the name Jesus, right? Which, which is a name that means Savior. And yeah. the answer is because He saves us from our sins. 
and because salvation is not to be sought or found in any other. So really the value, right, before we answer your question, yep. before we even answer the Roman Catholic question 500 years ago or the Jewish Christian question 2,000 years ago, it's what do we need to be saved from? We need to be saved from our sin. So the whole first part of the Heidelberg Catechism is on guilt, right? Sin. Mm -hmm. What is our condition in sin apart from Christ, right? And so we've spent a lot of time talking about that. Now we get to the place, okay, I know I'm sinful. I know I'm in need of a Savior. I know I cannot save myself. Jesus means Savior. And so that's who He is. That's what His name means. And then the follow-up question allows us to take the value. The value is I am born in sin, I commit sin, I am sinful, and God is holy, and there's a chasm I cause because of my sin between me and God, and I can't fix it. So I need a Savior. I need someone to save me from myself, right? Save yeah. me from sin. That is Jesus. So can salvation be found or sought in any other? No. Okay. So question 30 is, do those who look to their salvation and security in saints, right? Meaning, and in this case, it doesn't like the biblical use of saints where living Christians. It means dead, venerated, special Christians, if you will, right? St. Francis of Assisi, hmm. you know, yeah. St. Mother Teresa, right? Whatever. Okay. So uh, can those who look for their salvation and security in saints or look for salvation and security in themselves or elsewhere, that's that blanket statement of anywhere other than Jesus, can they, do they really believe in Jesus, right? That's mm -hmm. the question. Yeah. I love that this is written before political correctness was a thing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these questions are asked very bluntly, right? So do, do people who look for salvation or security in anything other than Jesus do they really believe in Jesus? That's the question. So do youth who define how much they're loved by God and how much they don't watch porn or do pray or do go to church or don't steal or don't cheat on tests or whatever it is, right? Or I think that's the young version of what our modern day problem is. Many, and I mean many, the vast majority of Christians in America when asked, hey, why do you think you're going to heaven? A massive amount, I don't want to say majority, because I don't have a stat for this. Yeah, yeah. But I will say this, by doing a ton of funerals, I've done a hundred or more funerals, mm -hmm. right? And I listen to Christians say their loved one will be in heaven because they were a good person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Their security is in their merit, their behavior, their morals, right? Moralism today. So now you're talking about our youth that are growing up and they think God loves them because they don't do something or because they do do something, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, they, those, those youth grow up into adults who believe if I'm a good person, I go to heaven. And that's the Christian, that's the church attending ones, which is a sad state of Christianity in America, right? Yeah. So this question asks that. And the answer is no. Although they boast of being his, meaning Jesus, by their deeds, they deny the only Savior and Redeemer, Jesus. Either Jesus is not a perfect Savior, or those who in true faith accept this Savior have in Him all they need for their salvation. So that's the answer. Yeah. So it posits this very brutal, challenging question. It says either when you identify yourself by Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, if you say you follow Jesus, and yet you trust in other things, 
either you think Jesus isn't perfect or you really don't believe in him. Do you think there might be a third one, though? What's that? Maybe because of the state of the church. Um, maybe they are just, like your analogy of the three types of people, maybe they're just uh-huh. ignorant. Do you think there's such um, a sure. void in people's depth of knowledge, of you know, biblical knowledge, Absolutely. is leading to a lot of this? So if Cause, we say, cause, yes. Because if you think, not to cut you off, but if you think about it, when we are justifying ourselves based on our works we're, and feeling good about ourselves, it's an emotional thing, right? Because it sure. does feel better when you're walking pure. It sure. feels amazing. And so we interpret that as God-likeness. I wouldn't know, man. I'm super sensitive. <laughs> yes, that is true. All right. Um, but You agreed awfully quickly. <laughs> All right. Hey, man, just call like I see it. <laughs> so there's this. There's ignorance. Um, there's willful disobedience. There's a lot of reasons, but it ultimately ends in two places. Okay. I think there's a hundred roads in, but there's two outcomes. Okay. Either we trust in Jesus completely and we find our salvation in Jesus alone. Yeah. So the root of that in the gospel is this, that we are sinful and separated from God, right? That we are created to be in relationship with God, but because of sin, ours and those before us, that we are separate from God right? Yeah. That we are divorced from God because of our sin, right? And yeah. so because of that, we're in need of a Savior. And so um, that Savior is God who has become flesh, Jesus, the Son of God in human flesh, who lived the life that we were called to live but have failed, who died the death that we deserve, but he did it in our place, right? Who entered into the grave, who rose from the dead three days later so that we could live differently, who has ascended back to heaven as King, as Lord, as Savior, right? Who has poured out His Spirit on us and promises to return and reign. Okay, so if that's the gospel, then we have to say, okay, is Jesus good enough? And if we say yes, then, or is Jesus the only one good enough to save me? Is Jesus the only way? And Christians, so Orthodox Christianity says, yes, Jesus is the only way to God. Not Jesus plus something. Yeah. Not, well, we all worship the same God. We do it differently. But no, Jesus is the only way. Yeah. Right? So if that's true, if Jesus is the only way, and then a Christian says, well, because I'm a good person or because I don't watch porn or because I do pray a lot, if if we start adding our behaviors to it, it's Jesus plus something. Yeah. And so again, here's the answer. Although they boast of being his, although they boast of being Christians, right? Yeah. By their deeds, the way they live, they deny the only Savior and Redeemer, Jesus. Either Jesus is not a perfect Savior, or those who in true faith accept the Savior have in Him all they need for salvation. So Jesus is either enough or He's not. Yeah, He's definitely not a piece of the bat belt. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. He's not an add-on, yeah. man. He's not yeah. something we hit a button and we add yeah. to, right? So there was uh, uh, Craig Rochelle, uh, who pastors LifeChurch.tv, uh, big multi-campus church. He's been an author and a, a pastor for a long time. He wrote a book quite a while back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, called Practical Atheist. And he said, though we profess a faith in God, we live as though he doesn't exist. Yeah. And then he gave, I don't know, 10 different chapters on how we do that. Though we profess God, we trust in money. Though we do this, we do that. And like, so he yeah. gave these, he says, though we're Christians, we're practic- we live practically like we're atheists. Yeah. And this is, this is, I think, a case of that. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. We say one thing, but we live another way. And really, how we live will tell you how we truly believe. Yeah. I'm actually working on a sermon. It's called um, um, 
uh, so good. I know my sermon while we're trying to think of it, but it's exception versus reality. Like okay. what uh, perception versus reality. I apologize. And essentially it, it, it wants, to, I want to address what people perceptionally perceive as Christianity. And the analogy I use is a prosthetic limb. Mm-hmm. We've seen to treat Jesus like a prosthetic limb. He's necessary, but only when we need him. Mm. Whereas the Bible teaches that he is everything and we need him for all things. Like John 12, 24 says that unless a grain of wheat falls and dies, right. it all will right. not. It's, a, it's like definite. You will not bear fruit. And um, yeah. That's good, man. So Savior and Redeemer is the language Answer 30 uses, right? Yeah. Saves us from our sin and makes us new. Right? So another error in Christianity is this, that the gospel is this thing that introduces us to Jesus. We see this in a lot of streams of Christianity. Ah. Many of them hand out a lot of tracts yes. and they try and get you to say a prayer. Yes. Right? And I'm not mocking anybody or, or putting down anybody. God bless them for their efforts and for their, for their love for the lost. Yeah. Right? And they're definitely trying. Abs- okay, great. So again, what we find is people trying but sometimes missing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's ignorance. Maybe it's something. Whatever. You're okay, right. great. Yes. But when we treat the gospel as something that introduces us to Jesus, okay, so I said this prayer, I believe the gospel, Jesus lived, died, rose again, that's the gospel, I believe in that. Now, my job is to try really hard to please Jesus or live like Jesus, right? Yeah. Maybe we trust in Jesus as Savior to forgive me of my sin, but not Redeemer to make me brand new. Mm. So I like the answer here that we deny the only Savior and Redeemer, Jesus. That reminds us that the gospel is not something in our past, but the gospel is the very power by which we stand, right? We were in a, we were in a thing uh, talking about the essential beliefs of Christianity not too long ago, and that we spent the night saying, listen, we never leave the gospel, right? Yeah. We never grow out of the gospel. The never. gospel is something that introduces us to Jesus, yes. The gospel is something in which we stand and are being sanctified in Jesus. Yes. The gospel is the very hope we have that one day, or the very assurance we have, that one day we will stand in front of Jesus redeemed, holy, eternally in mm. God's presence. Amen. We never leave the gospel. Never. That's why I love this answer. The only Savior and Redeemer. He's not just Savior, not just for forgiveness, not just when we say that prayer back then. But he's the redeemer. It's an ongoing thing. Right? Yeah, man. So in our culture, being a good person, I I think that's a gross misunderstanding of what good is or who we are. But we covered all that in the guilt section, right? Now we're in grace. And so we should hear this, that by grace we are saved, as Ephesians 2.8 says, right? That this is not something we do. We have faith, yes, but even faith, even to each is given a measure of faith, says the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. Even the faith by which we respond to Jesus, that's a gift. And then Jesus remakes us. He creates us in his image. He begins to renew us and redeem us and set us on a trajectory of doing the things he has created us to do. That's awesome, Pastor Jeff. Man, well, I hope you guys were encouraged by that. Take note, uh, Jesus is all you need. Uh, That's something definitely to be encouraged by. Um, It's great to grow and struggle in your faith, but remember this, Jesus is Lord and he loves you, and he has died for you and rose for you. So be encouraged. Thank you for listening to the Generation Church podcast. If you like what we are doing, please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And please give us a like or a share and write a review wherever podcasts are found. Thanks again. Take care. For more information, visit our website at genfamily.church. G-E-N family.church.
You can also follow our social media accounts at Gin Family Church.